You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. I'm talking with actress, producer, and teacher Dylan Christina Moore today. Dylan is a classmate of mine from Juilliard. She's a wonderful actress and an inspired producer. She is an innovator, and I'm learning so much from her path. I hope you enjoy the 10th episode of The Compass. side look like for you? What does that mean to you? You know, so I was thinking a lot about this question mm-hmm. um, because I know that's how you start each episode. And so um, on my way over here, I did this. I was listening through each one going, okay, what is everybody like, you know, just taking the <laughs> survey. <laughs> like, I feel like everyone knows the general sense of what I mean, but it's different, you know, yeah, pers- yeah. it's personal. To and, you know, and I really was happy to, to take some time the best place to think in the world, the New York City subway transit system, (laughs) Um, and think about what that meant to me. And one of the things, the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about the dark side is that often you ask as an artist, and Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest lessons for me over the past 10 years um, has been knowing that for me, the dark side as an artist is the same same thing as dark side as just a human being, you know. And one of the the great things that I don't know if it's ever helped my, my acting career, but is that my 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 manager, who's a, an amazing amazing guy, David Gus, he would always say to me, you know, be where you where makes you happy. I'd be like, should I be in LA? Should I be in New York? What should I do? Mm-hmm. He's like, go be happy. You are the best when you are happy. Find that for yourself and everything else will fall into place. And I just have been so appreciative of that advice because I think that is, that's how we survive the darkness, you know, and the, the darkness comes in so many different ways. And for me, it's, you know, you know, as I have in my life battled depression and anxiety that I find, I found this, this is, okay, so this is one of the things I found. Somebody put this, um, somebody put this on Facebook the other day, somebody from school, mm-hmm. and it was like, it's called Everything is Awful and I'm Not Okay, Questions to Ask Before Giving Up. <laughs> and like, the questions are like, are you hydrated? Have you eaten in the past three hours? Have you showered in the past day? Have you stretched your legs? You know, and it goes through... All of these just basic questions of like, how, where are you in the world? How are you? What have you done today? And it's such a great list for me because I'm like, so often I find myself go, yeah, I've just had like four cups of coffee today. Like, of course I feel crazy. I haven't eaten and it makes everything worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in my pajamas on my couch, on my computer and it's one. That's crazy. And while in my head, I'm like, well, I've been working for the past three hours or whatever it may be. I'm still in my PJs on my couch <laughs> and you know that's not conducive to mental health. <laughs> right. You know, and then the other thing I, I was that. thinking is like um 
the other thing I was thinking about, I was just having this conversation with Alejandro, who is on episode, episode one. one. <laughs> um, and we were um, we were in South Africa teaching with ASTEP this summer. And I was so, I'm so moved when I'm in, in um, a place that makes me feel small, you know. And, and I think... You know, he was asking me about that, and I think that there's something like this deep solace that I find when, you know, I'm on a safari in South Africa looking at a rhino going, damn, this rhino has been around forever. Like, who am I (laughs) to worry about, you know, the little things when I can look up at a mountain and say that that's that's the good stuff. That's That's the, you know, the spiritual for me is you know, as Carl Sagan called it, like the pale blue dot, you mm-hmm. know, when you look something that far away, you, call, you know, the world is really, really big. And let's just find today. Right. You know, and that the things that are stressing you out are really small compared to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, uh, ambition and ego are amazing drivers in lives, uh, especially for artists. They're the most ambitious. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and I find that placing um, perspective on that ambition um, and finding a balance of ego that's useful and ego that's destructive mm-hmm. is so important. And looking at the little things is often the way I can find the way to take the next step the next moment right you know that moment to moment work at school really (laughs) applies to life too um taking that advice from your manager of just finding a way to be happy besides the career stuff was that something that I mean that's wonderful wonderful advice and I think it's also hard to do Mm -hmm. to not obsess over Mm -hmm. the career stuff when it maybe isn't going the way you thought it would or the way that Mm -hmm. you wish it would um but I love it. It's amazing advice. How did, was it a long journey to kind of be able to take that? Yeah, you know, I think it was something that even back in school, um, as, as I've struggled with the darkness for most of my life, that finding at school, that I, I, there was a moment when I realized that happiness was, was going to be more important to me than, um, a super successful career as an actress. And that's a painful (laughs) kind of realization, which is funny to say, but right. Because you're like happiness, of course that should be more important, but yeah, it is hard, hard to sacrifice something else for it or to not, right. Or to not sacrifice happiness in pursuit of the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I remember at school being, you know, there was being such a struggle of getting into these characters that were so dark and just losing myself inside of them and, and losing relationships and because of that, uh, not being a good friend, definitely not always being a good daughter because of that and mm. sister and, you know, thinking, I mean, I love the work, but, you know, who's going to take care of me when I'm old? <laughs> my brother you know (laughs) definitely you know not you know it's not gonna be Arlie from getting out who's gonna Mm -hmm. be taking care of me you know so I think that 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 it's been a it's been a very long journey but 
think I'm finally okay with with making happiness the priority, I think. <laughs> what is your um what is your family how do they digest you as an artist and you pursuing this as a career? You know, I think, you know, I'm from LA and so mm-hmm. and I I worked as a kid as an actor for a little bit and and I think that that experience was strange for my family. I don't my family there's no artists in my family and so um was that something that you brought up as a kid or it was just yeah. accidental or? well I was in a like a summer musical theater thing and you know the the director was a manager and then she got me an agent you know and then you know you start working a little bit and 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 I had to make the decision at one point like am I going to drop out of school and continue doing this stuff and you know I had just gotten into a new school and they were like, I had to like miss all of October for my first semester in sixth grade. And, um, cause I was filming a terrible movie and mm. the, you know, when I realized, do I want to graduate? Do I want to go to prom? Do I want to like, you know, that those were the, the priorities. And I think my parents were like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> oh, thank you God. You know, I understand this. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So they were so happy about that. And I think in high school, I, as I started thinking maybe more seriously, like, do I, you know, what do I do? And, um, what my dad, my dad said, you know, okay, if you're, if you really want to be an actress, you got to apply for the best. And so he was like, I looked it up online Juilliard is the best one and you should apply to that and I was like okay I have no idea what Juilliard is (laughs) and and I think when I got in that was like the first step of like um reassurance for my parents that you know it's there is like a um it became uh much probably easier for them to to support me but they've always been supportive I mean they've always been right but there was a structure there that they could understand yeah yeah started yeah and you know it's such an ephemeral thing that we do that to have the stamp of approval from an institution is Mm -hmm. you know is something that even you know even now when I'm not working I'm look back and I go well at least I went to Juilliard I can always say that (laughs) that's nice you know and um but I think that it's been since since graduating it's been really really hard for them really 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 hard and I am sorry to you know put them through what I've had to put them through you know because they so desperately love and want want me to succeed and I think for them to see you know the pain of of uh not working is just you know it's really hard for them it's really hard my parents feel that way too yeah, I mean, I don't even know. It's hard to say, what do you say, you know, what do you say yeah. to them? Because it does, it's an odd system, and it doesn't always make sense when they ask, you know, well, how about this, or why don't why don't you get a different agent, or why don't you do, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's, it's there's no, um, there's no rhyme or reason to this stuff. And, and your brother's younger, so for him, has it always been like, oh, well, that's what she's always done. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think uh, he's always, he's been, you know, I'm just his sister. It's not, there's no, it's, the the rest of the stuff is fine, but he's just like, so are you going to come hang out and watch a movie with me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and he's, he's the most adamant. I, you know, I I had to change my name when I graduated and Mm -hmm. he's the one that just 
fights it so hard. <laughs> he hates the name change. Um, but, you know, he's he, it's great because he kind of doesn't have a, as, as much, you know, he's he doesn't have a stake in it in the same way, of course, a parent does yeah. or a partner does. But he's just like, I'm going to love you no matter what, you know, <laughs> which is really yeah, nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I know you haven't been focusing as much on acting lately, and you've been putting your energies kind of more towards the producing side of things. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit of how you started to get involved with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, I used to live in this five-bedroom house in the Upper mm -hmm. West Side with this backyard, and it was, you know, I lived in, like, kind of a commune situation for many years at school, and I don't know, I found some very... <laughs> I don't know why that brought me so much joy and pain. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was a very specific chapter. It was fabulous. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. And so, you know, I lived with uh, Creed uh, Garnick and Charlie Barnett and Samira Wiley and Marla Phelan. And we just had, we had so much fun. Um, and, but we, we moved into this place that was so fabulous. It was such a cool, it was such a cool place, it, you know, and, I just looked around and I'm like, man, I just love the way this place looks like there should be like, you know, a, somebody should sing on a ukulele in front of that wooden fence in my backyard. That <laughs> looks so, that would look awesome. And, you know, I think a big part of that was inspired by that, that impulse of, of putting art in places, um, that is, that aren't theaters is, uh, so derivative of our experience with Brian Murdy's mm -hmm. and um, the Lake Lucille experience. Um, and I just found that so soul-shaking that I really wanted to to see what that meant for me. And I think it was some measure of control. You know, we there's no ab zero control in our industry. And so, um, you know, I said, oh, I have time. I have a cool place. Um, I have a lot of incredibly talented friends. Uh, and and I think, you know, I, I have a little bit of an administrative brain. You know, I, I can do that stuff. And so, you know, I, I sat down and I wrote the first email, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. And, um, and that first email... It uh, turned into that first year, which was like three years ago, three months of um, three salons. I called, I called them Le Salon and um, invited, you know, all types of different people over and co-hosted with a different person each time. And the idea for me was to just feel out what that, what it is, what I'm interested in, why I'm doing this. Is, is there, um, are people interested in this? And I really enjoyed it. And it took me, you know, the next year I did two more. And then this year I've done one with another one coming up. And I think that the, the pull for me into producing has been a great, it's been a great reaction to the acting industry because it allows me to be, creative, uh, to use my brain, um, both sides of my brain. Um, and it allows me to not have to be in front of the camera, so to speak. Um, which, you know, I, I really like actually, it's, it's really great to not have to, uh, 
to be on stage sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and and to still be creative and to still be creative and to still have something on the line. But yeah. it's not about whether I looked a certain way or said the line right or you know whatever. Um, and that kind of has snowballed into like a bunch of other different uh, producing projects, which you know it's it's taken me several years to kind of get comfortable fully comfortable with the idea that um I can call myself a a producer and not lose being an actress at the same time holding those two things in my hand at once yeah um and it's been it's been fun and it's really it's really nice when uh as much as I love my own projects uh it's really nice to like get get to work with people um who asked me to do something, which is just a thrilling, thrilling <laughs> feeling. It's just like getting an acting job. You're like, yeah, yeah. yes, I want to be involved. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you thought of me mm-hmm. and make something happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you did one at, um, you did a show at Ars Nova this summer, right? Yeah, yeah, I did uh, actually at a salon at an awesome performance space called Cloud City um in Brooklyn oh that's right because I missed that one so I didn't yeah. see that information. Yeah. it was so you know it's so serendipitous and amazing the way a lot of these things work but they uh I my co-host one of my best friends Emma Galvin she lives with a girl named Kate Hopkins Kate is directing and working with this band called the Scouts mm-hmm. led by Gina Phillips and they I you know I kind of sight unseen was like well, I know a couple of the people in this group from many different walks of life. And so I'm like, yeah, why don't you guys perform? This is, this is going to be great. And they came in, they were so open and they just blew everyone away. And I was so thrilled because they came up to me the next day and said, will you produce our show? And <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, it, it was a big, it was kind of a scary yes. Cause I'd never yeah. thought I would produce like proper theater, you know, uh-huh. um, and what's great about it is it's not totally proper theater. It's like a band putting on a play, which um, can exist in a lot of different forms in a lot of different places, which mm-hmm. I think is like essential to the work I'm interested in. But um, it was really exciting. We did a sold out, a way oversold show at Dixon Place and then um, got to to be a part of Antfest at Ars Nova this summer, which was just for me a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, besides like all of the organizational side of it, so have you started having to get involved with like the fundraising part of producing, mm. which I know is always kind of a daunting thought to me when I think of yeah. producing something myself? Yeah, I think you know the the question is always, well, what is producing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's a really good question. What the hell is it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my so far, it seems to me there's three major components of it. The first is, um, you know, administrative. Uh, you know, you're the you're the writing the emails, making the connections, making sure there's a car to pick somebody up, a rental happening, or whatever it may be. Um, the second part of it is financial, um, which is always the strangest part for me. I, I don't, I haven't totally figured that out. I mean, when I've, everything I've done so far has been financed, um, I call it like live crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. um, where I don't, I haven't used Kickstarter and those, those things really, but 
I like parties. I like beers. I like <laughs> live music. And so we'll put together a well, party. And people love giving money towards this. And, <laughs> and like, $10 yeah. for beers and music. It's so worth it. And it is because the city is so expensive. And so, yeah. you know, and putting your money towards towards something like that, I think, is, is always worth it and makes everybody feel like... Um, you know, everybody got something out of it. So, mm-hmm. so far, that's generally how I fundraise mm-hmm. is via party. And, <laughs> and then um, the, I think that, you know, but as I, as I continue going down, I'm, I'm working on a, a new piece and I think uh, we're going to start, I'm going to start exploring more grant writing and that, that avenue. But, you know, I look forward. I also talk to people who are producers who just, who have the big money guys, you know, who really. Right. I guess that's the mysterious part is like yeah. have, people have their name on things as producer who just gave money. Yeah. And then there's people like you who are like on the ground making it happen, that kind yeah. of producer. Yeah. So I was just curious. About yeah. That. Well, if anyone's listening who has lots of money, <laughs> I'll put it to good yeah, use. Yeah. Some great <laughs> projects coming up. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then I think, and then the third part, which is really the part that I'm, I'm, I love the most is the, the creative producing part. Um, you know, yeah, there are different types of producers and I try to always, I, I think of myself as a creative producer, um, as a curator, as a, a, a guider. Um, and so I think in that capacity, it's the, for me, it's the most fun because it's where you get to dream. And, and as an outside eye, as an artist myself, I can say, you know, I think that this, this show, what if we tried something really different with it? What if we put it in a different weird place? What if it, you know, I get to start thinking about, okay, the long term or, um, uh, the framing of something, and and that is always really exciting. I one of the uh, when I was I got to be the associate producer at Lake Lucille last summer, and mm-hmm. it was really thrilling. Do you want to just say a quick little blurb about what that is for yeah. people who don't know? Yes, yeah, totally. Um, Brian Murdys, who's a director, who is the head of the directing department at Brown Trinity Rep. Mm-hmm. Um, he and his wife, Melissa Kievman, who's also a director, have a house um, upstate in a place called New City in Rockland County, and it's a lake house. And they, for since 2000, 2001, um, started gathering, said, yeah, let's just invite a bunch of friends up to the house for a week. We'll look at a checkoff play and put it on for a day and just have fun and eat well and drink and talk about Chekhov and um uh and I mean if this sounds familiar this is now a model that many many places (laughs) use but they uh over the years they did every one of Chekhov's plays uh, many of his short plays um really explored uh what Chekhov is and and how to do Chekhov um in a very I mean site-specific is such a buzzword now but yeah um, and immersive and all those right. those things, but that truly is what it is. You know, you they would invite on a on a Saturday four hundred people up to this this lake house, and they would they would take the first act on the front lawn, just like Chekhov says it's supposed to be, and then the the second act would re- be right by the lake, and then you see you know Gail Rankin swimming across the <laughs> lake and Gabe Ebert put you know and. 
and pushing the piano into the lake just like they're supposed to (laughs) and cutting down the cherry tree just like they're supposed to and it takes seven hours and it's so you know it really is some of the most magical theater I've ever seen and you know a huge part of it to me why it's so magical is that it's it's and I I think why I like producing maybe too is is that it's not just about the actors because when you're an actor it's very Mm -hmm. but the the uh the designers are such a huge part of it, and they create this world for these actors to live in that's so extraordinary. And you know, people like Debo are just mm-hmm. total magi- magicians. I mean, total fine arts magicians right. who do things that are just, just insane, just insane. Mm-hmm. And and I, and so, anyway, I I, I like went to this is that does that is yeah, that yeah. A good you think so you said that this year what was your so position this, you got to this last year I was the associate producer mm-hmm. um basically Melissa Keeveman's um brain and and heart when her heart and brain are just so big <laughs> and I would be like the spillover space um and the um and I I I just was so. I mean, I was so grateful that they asked me to to come and and work with them. Uh, but oh, but a big part of the conversation that Melissa and I were having when she was like, "I know you're you you're I want you here. I don't know what you're supposed to be doing yet. <laughs> you're gonna be a lot of help. What what is what is it? What do you, what are you doing? What are we doing? And you know, eventually, one of the things that we came to it was that I, you know, a big part of what I love I love people and Mm -hmm. I and I love um I love making people happy and I we kind of found that I you know one of the words we used was like the retreat director right so like all you know all these actors and design I mean a hundred people are living there for for a a long time and they the work is needs to have um cushion to it, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that you can land gently after, you know, uh, the gun has been pulled on stage and, and the, and so what we, we just, you know, what I, I loved about it and what was very creative for me was how to, how to make the experience of, yeah. of, of it, the, the time outside of the work, um, feel, uh, comforting and safe and creative and dangerous and exciting and and all of all of those things um and and like you know hopefully like any good producer make it feel seamless and like there like you there was not it was easy to do right (laughs) (laughs) behind the curtain and and that um that feels very creative to me you know um I know that you and Alejandro have done so much work with A-Step since graduating from school I mean you and I did a lot of outreach stuff when we were there together and you've really carried it on what has that what part of your life is that tell me a little bit about what part of your heart that fills and how you're able to build that kind of work into your life Mm. um and I apologize for whatever construction sounds are coming in through the window stop it construction I don't know what they're soldering things happening (laughs) um (laughs) the um I think that, uh, you know, I, so I, where to begin? I just, I just wrote, 
an article that hopefully is going to be at the in the Juilliard Journal um, in a couple months here. And and I think one of the things that I, I was talking about this outreach work and and this culture of outreach that was so prevalent while we were at school. And you know, I think I have I've been thinking a lot about it. And there is you know. A lot, People call millennials our generation these selfish people, but I, I think that they're that it's not about the the culture of outreach that I've seen in our generation has just been extraordinary to me. The amount of generosity of spirit and time, um, in in helping those in need and helping each other and forming community, especially in a world as globalized as ours, is mm-hmm. just extraordinary. And and I think you know. The 10 years that that I was a teenager in early adulthood, you know, when I was in ninth grade, 9-11 happened, and my first year at Juilliard, Hurricane Katrina came, and by the time we graduated, the financial collapse had happened. <laughs> I mean, what a framing for, for my youth, <laughs> for yeah. our youth. I mean, it's just... Yeah, I think about that a lot too. That after nine eleven, like we've basically grown up with a constant war. Yeah, going on. Absolutely. I mean, that's it's not even a little bit. It's just that's a hundred percent true. And yeah. and I was thinking about that kind of framing and how so much of of that the work I've done, which with a step um, and otherwise, has has been. Um, has been a product of that, you know. And um, I think when I was at school, Art Reach, the kind, the student group that we that met every month to to give, figure out how do we help the world? What do we do? <laughs> we need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, between Art Reach and and going to different places with A Step and teaching. You know, I think I found through that work, um, my my artistry. I think that that work made me keep coming back because in asking young people to identify their their story, their personal narrative, and take pride in that, I realized in that my, when I'm looking at looking at them that I I haven't necessarily done the same and. You know, there's this this trilogy that so a lot of time that you know in, in our New Orleans trips we talked about a lot, which was um, teaching, building with our hands, rebuilding, and and um, performing. And that trilogy to me is something is the place kind of where I found myself transcend the uh, title of actress and you know, find myself as an artist instead. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's who grew up in L.A., <laughs> um, that was the most empowering thing I think that's happened to me in the last 10 years is mm. uh, I remember our first year at Juilliard, Richard Feldman saying, you know, talking about us as artists. And I just, I told him afterwards, I, I think you guys made a mistake letting me in. I I'm, don't. I'm not an artist. I don't know what that means. Um, and I, I grew up watching actresses in L.A. I had a very different concept of what, what that was, what I was going after. And um, through outreach, I've been able to, like, change that title for myself 
and find my own personal narrative as as an artist and as a woman, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that that's the thing that's kept me going back to it. And you know, as we get older, it's so hard. To, it's it's harder to do outreach because time is precious and got to pay the bills. And you know, it's that unfortunately money is just the reality of our world and it's it can be tough to find time you know and so there are there are little things that we can do but the the big thing that I've it's been nice for to to find this glorious project that Alejandro came up with the artist to citizen conference yes I was about to bring that up yeah it's so good it's so good <laughs> um it's so funny because you know Alejandro and I came up with like this I came up with my my company Arx is our exquisite corpse and then uh -huh. the salon is one of the projects of that but um we kind of came up with these ideas at this in the same year of like okay you know how do we we need to work <laughs> we need to work you know and I uh, I think this this conference that is called um art uh, artist a citizen and it's based off President Polisi's book. President Polisi is the president of Juilliard. And mm -hmm. he wrote this, put together this fabulous book um, of essays and speeches um, he's written and given. And um, they're about why um, our artistry is just totally connected to the world outside. And... Um, and when we forget that we're citizens of the world, that our community extends beyond the first row, you know, and that the art is deepened and is more impactful. Um, and, and I just, it's so exciting to, to get to have, you know, this group of young people come in and. Yeah, you brought in teenagers what 30 or 40 um 18 kids? to like 25 year old so college mm -hmm. age and uh about 65 of them yeah and um Juilliard hosts us and so they stay at the dorms which is so crazy <laughs> <laughs> um they stay at the dorms and and we put together a five-day conference that's really pretty hardcore but they are you know in activities from 9 a.m to 10 p.m at night and um uh, getting a dance class in the morning from Jesse Perez and then having Kurt Hoflin come in in the afternoon and then going to see a play at night or, you know, it, the, the, the way we've I mean, every year it changes the, the theme and the structure of the conference, but it's been really exciting to see for Alex and I to be like, okay, how do we hit all of these things? How do we hit artistry? How do we hit citizenship? How do we hit what these two things are together? And how, right. most importantly, I mean, the big, big point of the whole conference is to give real tools, tangible steps to say, you want to change the world. You want to be an artist that impacts your community. Here, here are some real things that you can do. Here's how we begin. Um, which is not an easy, you know, beginning yeah. is the hardest part. It's, you know, it's like that first email I sent for the first salon was like the most difficult thing ever yeah. I was like writing an email to Alejandro to like speak upon like and that you know <laughs> that that first step is so difficult um but those those first steps are the foundation of of everything that's to come and if you have those aspirations you know I just I find it so important and I see it just I it hurts my heart and my it hurts me when I when I look around at artists who don't 
know what's happening in Syria um, mm-hmm. and who don't vote in elections um, and who, you know, aren't responding to the world around them. And, and we all have such, you know, rich inner lives, too, that the world is reflected in all kinds of, of ways that aren't necessarily, you know, by reading a newspaper. But I find, I find the, the, the world outside of art to be so important to to art itself other you know how can we ask the world to finance our plays how can we ask people to buy our art to invest in our dance companies if we don't have an understanding of the people who are giving us that money mm-hmm. uh and the world that they're living in which has contains politics and economics mm-hmm. and international you know policy and that's those those things are so um essential i think in the future yeah. and sustainability of of artists and art you know? I, well, frankie and i came to the final evening of the conference this summer and i we just observed and we watched the, every the young leaders were like performing different pieces that they'd put together throughout the week and talking about their experience and i felt so honored to be in the room and to see the energy that you all had created was just beautiful. And the the excitement that they all had to feel empowered and to take it back to their communities after this week was just absolutely amazing. And also to have found a community, some of these kids who maybe don't fit in wherever they're from and are definitely yeah. the odd man out and yeah. to have these interests, like to have come here and found all these other people like them and feel empowered. It was just incredible. And also... I was just so proud of you and Alejandro and everybody who was working to see them. Like, you were the role models. And to have, you know, we met 10 years ago when we were in school. And to have watched you guys put together all of your life experience and to be giving it to other people and to be looked up to like that it was just really beautiful for me to watch. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... I, I thank you, and I'm really glad you guys were able to be there. It means a lot, and I just... And I was definitely crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was crying from exhaustion. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you were. But the, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's so... To get to, you know, look around and see what our friends are doing is, is such an amazing thing, and in... in our communities that, I mean, we come from an incredible community. New York is a crazy city. And when you can find your group of people that inspires you, things like this conference come about. And I mean, you know, if you're Alejandro, you work harder than like five people put together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like this, it's, it's so, um, it's so thrilling to, to do that kind of, to do that kind of work. And I'm just, I'm so glad you were able to come. So I hope we get to do it for many years to come. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Can I ask, are there certain things that you, certain like really tangible things that you turn to when you feel yourself going to the dark side, like in a day-to-day way, music or a book or a place, something like that? Yes, I do. I think so there's, there's several things. I think that... Um, uh, I mean, first that that list I was mentioning earlier is a huge thing because if you know you start going, you're on the subway and you start f- having those feelings. I think a big thing is like, okay, I need a sip of water. I need to like stand up. 
and be like, this is my body. I am a person in the world today. And all I need to do outside of your brain is keep, yeah, keep moving. Mm -hmm. And the, um, you know, I think my big lesson that I've learned over the last couple years is, um, is communication. And I was so bad at that. And I'm still not the best at, you know, if I'm feeling down, calling somebody and, and talking about it. So hard. And we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, it's hard, but it, it does help. Yeah. And I think, you know, f- um, so for me, I, I think I've learned to to call Jeff, my boyfriend, and and he's been an amazing partner for me for the last five years. And I just, I think that that... He gives me a sense of stability that's super helpful and an understanding that, you know, he he's a teacher and so he has his thing that he does every day and he gets to go inspire kids too, but, he, you know, it's so structured mm-hmm. and, you know, and then I call him and I go, well, you know, I don't understand what's happening. I'm, there's things that, you know, everything's falling apart and what's my career and who am I and how am I going to make money and, you know, all of those questions that come up and, he goes, look at your last year. You went to South Africa with a step. You put on a salon. You produced a show at ours. No, you know, you start, and then it's that, that reflection that you need. That's so helpful that mm-hmm. you go, oh, okay, okay. But today was really bad. And he goes, yeah, today was bad. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow will be better. Just yeah. wait. And and that is so helpful. And I think the other things that for me are are huge is. I read a ton, mm-hmm. um, and and I I love reading, and that's essential. And the, the other thing is travel. I'm a huge traveler, and I, um, you know, and at times I think it's probably hurt my acting career, but it's essential. It's me. It, I wouldn't be me if I didn't do it. And and um, I am, you know, I I was talking to Alejandro a little bit about this the other day about how hard he works and and how I I can't work at the same pitch that he does. You know, mm-hmm. I, I need days to just hang out. And I probably, you know, uh, maybe two-thirds of the year work really hard, you know, really, really hard. And then one-third of the year, I have days where I'm like, my brain is, I have no creativity left and I need to refuel. And the way mm-hmm. I refuel is sleep and travel and reading. And, you know, those are, um, and getting beers with friends. And those things are so essential to keeping a balance and keeping out of the, the darkness. But I think like the, um, the pale blue dot travel has been for me a way to understand that, you know, sure, it would, it would be great to be a, a famous successful actress or producer or whatever but it's that's not really what life is about and we're like the one percent of the world less that is able that has the privilege of even trying to be an artist of even having the time to to write an article to do a podcast to go on an audition and to count our blessings that way is not easy at all, but like they say for an AA, you know, one day at a time, one breath at a time, moment to moment, and we'll make it through. But mm-hmm. it's hard. 
Life is hard. Leah. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> Do you have any um, recommendations of shows you've seen lately or um, friends shows or things you're excited to see? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I just saw Company XIV's newest show, Cinderella. I love Company XIV so I want to see it. Colin it, mentioned that too. It's glorious. They're, I have so much fun going to their shows and... I just baroque burlesque. How much better does it get than that? Um, I I'm really excited to uh, to see here um, at Playwrights. Yes, I want to see that too. Yeah, Cameron Scoggins is in that, and I've been hearing about. It's quite. It sounds like quite the project. Hmm. Um, I have a you know all of our the things we're excited about are things our friends are in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Marla Phelan is in uh, The New Fiddler on the Roof, yes. which I'm so excited about. Um, I, I love that she's in all the promos dancing. Yeah. I love it. Frankie and I always catch her. Yeah, totally. Totally. She just looks like she would totally be out in Russia just doing her thing. <laughs> she's, <laughs> um, That'll be exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, there's there's so there's so much in this city always and I it's always tough to to get to see everything, but um I'm excited to go back to Juilliard and see some of Jesse Perez is directing a play there mm-hmm. and I love I love being able to go see his work and there's just there's so much. There's so much. And you know, the other I just saw I have to I have to plug it. The, I just saw the world premiere at um, National Sawdust of Julian Crouch's piece, puppetry piece. Julian Crouch mm. is a designer and director, uh, Tony nominated for Hedwig, and he works with musician Saskia Lane on um, this incredible, incredible, just darkly whimsical, the death and life of a puppet mm. Um this piece called Birdheart that uh, I just think is extraordinary. And it's it's the kind of thing that, well, you only need 20 minutes, you know, to make great art. Mm-hmm. You don't need, you don't need to have a 90 minute show. No. Right. Art is, art is a very flexible thing. <laughs> and it's great to see was, it. Is that running for a little bit or was it just a, a it one was, weekend, one night event? Yeah, it was just a couple nights at, um, this new space in Williamsburg, but, um, you will definitely be seeing it again. Okay. Um, yeah, I follow me around (laughs) and I will tell you. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking with me. You're such an inspiration to me. Ah, Leah, I adore you. And thank you for doing this podcast. I've just keep hearing so many people talk about it and the, the, warm cup of tea chicken noodle soup for the soul that it is it's so it's so beautiful and I love what it's doing for you too thank you yeah it feels good to have this conversation so I love you Leah love you too (laughs) thank you Thank you for listening to The Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. 
Audio assistance from Nick Choksi and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.